there was someone that you were here, I think you just have to sound off. Well, we have to move the chair and I'll put it on the agenda if you can come back to it. Yeah. Excellent. I'll put, I'll put it under Lauren's session. It's right under Jeff's. Yeah. Good. So I highly recommend this book. In my belief at Mount Abraham Middle and High School, it's really all about the culture. You can take our template, and here it is up here. I don't know if you get to read this one. Nope. Oh, wrong one. Sorry. This one. Yes. This is a sample portfolio um, that I had middle school students volunteer their time to help me build last year. It's mostly empty, quite frankly. But what's good about it is that it shows the competencies across the top, those are tabs, that all the students in Mount Abe starting in the year 2020 will have to prove proficiencies in. That's how they're going to graduate. That's this year's seventh graders. <laughs> 2020 sounds like a far way away. But our current seventh graders, is there one more Whether, yeah, let me, let me, I'll guide it. I'm sorry, thanks. Um, so our current seventh graders are starting to be um, collecting evidence in their portfolios, and I can talk more about that with you later. I've only got 10 minutes to do the PLP thing. So the, the, the thing that's important to know is that those five competencies took us years to develop. You can take our template. It's out there. But frankly, taking the template is not going to change your culture. You really have to, as a community, commit to what are the key things we want our learners to know before they graduate from our school? What are the key things they need to collect evidence on? Um, you can click on that bottom, working chart of evidence. So this is all built on sub-pages. So this is sort of the table of contents here. We have in-personal development and self-awareness problem-solving, collaboration. So if you look down here, these are the competencies. And then these are where the students can put in the information that they're documenting and can hyperlink from that. So that's sort of like a table of contents. But this morning, how many of you went to Dan French's presentation? Yeah, he had a great idea, I thought, of having the PLP be the table of contents for the portfolio. That was a really interesting idea. So if you come online, you see that the PLP is a separate tab at the end. He might have flipped my thinking. I might have the PLP be right up in the front of my idea. So our personal learning plans have been around in paper for 10 years. They're kind of boring, frankly. But we took the questions at the time from the Common App, and we were selling it to the students by saying, if you complete this PLP through your four years of high school, your common app will be done. How nice is that going into your senior year? Um, let's take a look at dreams, please. So under each of the tabs, we have a whole list of things. They used to be worksheets. I mean, this is talk about substitution. It's just bleh. Here's a whole list of all of my hopes and dreams for the futures, and the students could write in all their answers. But what we're asking students to do instead is to pick a, this one, to pick a tool that will effectively share their message in a different way from writing if they'd like to. Come on, animal room. Oh, do we have to log in? Really? I don't have access to the slides yet. Can we log in? Um, Up at the top? Yeah. I'll just do it quickly. And this is a great
great teachable moment because when your kids are creating these things, making sure they've given whomever needs to see them proper permission right. is really, really important. Yep. So it's, this is what happens a lot. We'll see it. Parents will sit down and go, oh, we got to log in. Um, teachers will look at it, get that same. So. And this is another thing with using Google Sites, it's really easy to link to outside resources. But in our Google Sites, I try to always tell the students to, the PLT building, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to see baby Betsy. Um, I have them actually import it into the portfolio or copy and paste their work into the portfolio so it's that much more transportable. Tom was talking about it needs to be something that students can take with them. So you want to keep all the documents within the portfolio. Is that good for him? examples because this is billed as a PLT talk. Um, let's try who am I. So you'll all have access to this sort of in one of the audience Let's go to the haiku deck. So again, each year we're going to be asking them <coughs> to think about who am I. And in this case we did a haiku deck. The kids love haiku decks. Oh sheesh. Mike, I think you're the one taught me haiku deck.
you can see, my point here simply is that the PLPs don't have to be a boring list of worksheets. The students have lots of power nowadays to create lots of interesting different ways of showing who they are as learners. And if you're not using Haiku Deck, you should. Students love it. I have students in, as young as uh, third graders, no, actually kindergartners, using it with their third grade buddies. simple, very few words. I love it that students can use their physical voice in some of these tools or they can just use very few words and use just images. <laughs> That's a great way to describe yourself as a learner. The images that come in Haiku Deck are really powerful and again it takes two seconds to find them. Sometimes I think the students pick the descriptors of themselves because they like the pictures. Well it's mm -hmm. not such a bad thing. Yeah, some folks, I think, of the PLP as like a single, like a monolith, like a single product or a single uh, Google site. And it seems like you use a multiple platform to great effect. Can you speak to kind of the pros and cons of that? Multiple platforms as opposed to central location or single product? Well, as you can see, if you're doing a student-led presentation and you haven't logged in, that's embarrassing and bad. I know all <laughs> about that. Um, I think putting everything in a Google site is really nice. It's really cheap, really free. <laughs> we all like those things. Um, students have to learn about managing files, and now they want to, because they want this to look good. They, they're proud of the things in those. Um, if we had more time, I would walk you through, to extend that question, through the whole portfolio, because one hopes that your learners are collecting evidence in all kinds of ways that they can keep in their Google Drive. There's the boring worksheet that we started with, and then the haiku deck is what we ended up with. So I hate to say it, Mike, but I think in some cases it's true that it's the luck of the draw of which teacher you get, how much exposure you get to the different tools. I, I really don't like this whole concept of the digital native stuff. I have some digital texters, but they're not creating great stuff on their own for the most part unless we are sharing that opportunity with them. Um, and some of my teachers feel afraid to try new tools and they're afraid to let the students try new tools if they don't know how to use it themselves. And so if we can let go of that power, that's right. what you're getting at, Matt, yeah. right? Let go of that power and let them create and explore. So what I do, and this might be a useful tip for you, I go into a classroom and select two or three or have the teacher select two or three students to become my experts in Haiku Deck. Another set of three who become experts in Google Sites, another three, and so on, you know, so that the teacher doesn't feel like he or she owes it all, that they have these learners who, who take the burden off of them. Um, let me just get back at what I said I was going to say. <coughs> oh, and so when we were at the Roland Conference, was that only last week? When it, uh, at the end, Chuck Scranton, the, um, the closing speaker, talked about the power of using advisories for this sort of work. 
and if your advisory system is strong, and if those advisors have come together on this cultural belief, it doesn't really matter too much which tool you're using. I happen to like Google Sites. Some people, like Nissa was saying, they're having good luck with Naviance, right? Well, we're still pretty. Still yeah. Um, it, because I think one of the weaknesses that we have here is something that um, Barbara and Kathleen talk a lot in their book about identifying the student as a learner. We haven't really done that in our portfolio, and I think that's something that we need to add. And Naviance has a lot of tools. I think Naviance also has a lot of tools that scare me a lot that might lead you towards labeling students. And, you know, I am a concrete sequential learner, so don't talk to me about creativity. You, know, you have to be careful about that. Um, and let's go. Sure. That's what we've been saying because we're field we're going to be field testing Naviance ourselves. Once we knew we could be sure we could hyperlink back and forth between our pretty robust portfolio and the other robust tool that does different things. Um, my point about Naviance or any other tool though is that you have to create the culture. We've here's here's true confession. So we've had this for 10 years. I started working at Mount Abe doing this stuff the week of 9/11. That's when I started doing this. It's still not part of our culture. It's not. We're working on it. The seventh grade team sure is paying a lot of attention to it now that that's the way our kids. So that's how we're building up the pressure. We're also building down to the elementary schools. I just started, I'm pretty excited. I just used these same portfolios, different words, but the same general idea with third and fourth graders this week. Um, so we really are trying to grow this whole concept of personalized learning as defined by Barbara and Kathleen. I would encourage you to define the term carefully if you're going to use, start tossing around personalized learning because every vendor and the brother will tell you, if you just buy my product, turn the key, you've got some personalized learning. Oh, and CCSS too, you know. <laughs> Pay attention to that. Um, our site is under construction for Pathways. Could you find that though? That one's probably it, personalized learning at Mount Abe. This is an article 
that was just um, published in January last year about personalized learning at Mount Abe. It's in your um, document that you have in front of you. This is an amazing program. Uh, we have the opportunity. We have the opportunity for students to define their path to graduation. They can do it full time, or they can just do it a little bit. Maybe they want to take an algebra class and a French class, but they also want to get some core credit by doing blacksmithing, or snowboarding, or hunting, or any one of about a thousand other things that the students have done. So I don't have time today to share this with you, but I included the link in it in the paper that you have, and also our their website that this wonderful student Robin started working on last year. You met Robin. He's yeah. an amazing guy. Um, Robin's and, actually in our book. Yes. Uh, yes. We, we did a webinar with Mount Abe with Robin in it. With Robin in it. With Robin in it. So he, in, <laughs> instead of being with us this year, after all this great stuff he's done, he's gone off to Clarkson as a senior in high school. Um, but he was the one who was working on this. And now that he's gone, our site's kind of a mess, and we need <laughs> to get somebody else. Uh, so I include this just to point out that we all have to be really brave doing this work. It's embarrassing to stand up in front of a group of people, not to mention people from the agency of education, and nothing works, you know. My, this isn't complete. Our portfolio isn't complete. But I know that if we're not sharing, we're not being fair to each other. So, so I put up some sloppy stuff. Feel free to use what you can, and Matt can fill in all the blanks I left out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep mine short and sweet. Um, my, I mostly have, um, a plea for you guys as educators. I have my notes here to keep me on task. Um, the PLP portfolios, they're not report cards. Um, I have a personal belief about these. A portfolio is a place that is owned by the student and can lead with the students, as Tom had mentioned. My biggest fear is as educators going, your work's really, really important. And as soon as you leave, we can't afford that tool to keep with you forever and ever, so your stuff's gonna go away. Right? Like, we're telling them to create something that matters, then we have to have tools, and I don't know the tools, Google tools, or um, we're using KidBlog, and we're using Google Tools Drive. Um, we have some teachers using, Ed or some students using EduBlog. The tools, there, there's a million of them. Find the tools that really allow this work that we're saying is important to stay with the children. And I don't know all of them, but that's something I really look to. We can't tell kids your work's important, but as soon as you leave our school, it's gone forever. Good job, though. Yes, I want you to put a lot of effort into that. Um,
Well, yeah, but when I put an F on it, that means something to them. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything to them. Um, what means something to them is when they get to look back and see the good things that they find in there, the positive things, because that's going to matter to them. Um, so find a way to make that happen for your kids. There's other ways to talk to parents. If you have a behavior issue, that should be done before the end of the trimester. Right? So I'm looking at the portfolios and I'm going, I don't want this to be the regular report card that everyone's used to. And the one that, quite honestly, I didn't care about. As a kid, I looked back, I had, my, I had some report cards, and I don't know how because it's not the kid who would have saved report cards. Um, and what matters to me, like I look back at them every now and then, it's the comments my teachers wrote about me. Granted, none of them were too overly wonderful. I had a lot of two socials, and but that's what I look at. I don't look at the numbers or the letter scores. And, and honestly, a lot of our kids, they have enough showing that they're a one, they get that. And that one is fine. That means you are as low as you can be. It doesn't get any lower than you. You're a one. But when you turn that one into a conversation, into goals for the student to grow and, and progress, now you've done something useful. So keep, again, this is more of a plea um, than anything. Um, the importance of the student ownership and voice, it's not a tool for teachers to talk to parents. It's, it's a tool for students communicate with, the, with themselves, with parents, and with teachers about their learning and where they're going. Um, so that is something I'd really like to push. The right tools, again, I don't know what they are, but what we look at is tools that allow for student voice, as low as kindergarten, right? And some of those students will need those tools all the way up through because that's just where they are, right? So haiku is, the, is kind of what we consider our cabinet. That's where we organize everything, but it's not where anything is stored by itself. You know, you don't just kick out your uh, cereal and dump it into the cabinet. You keep it in a box, because if anything happens to the cabinet, you've got your box of cereal, you can move it into the cabinet. And that's how we look at haiku. Um, again, it's something that can be with the kids forever. Um, different tools at different ages. We talked a little bit about it, the freedom to choose versus school or statewide expectations. Quite honestly, my own preference what works for me at City School may not be what's best for you and your kids or your atmosphere at wherever you are. And it doesn't mean it's any less valuable. It can still meet the expectations, but because we have different clientele, because we are different and we have different schools, I want that. I don't want to have to have the three I test. And find what works best for your situation. Um, again, if it matters, it has to last. You can't tell kids it matters and then it goes away. Um, so the thing, oh, the other thing, Strike while the iron is hot. Reflecting is so hard. Most adults can't do it, really, when you look at I mean, I see a lot of teachers who every single, we were just talking about this, every single November, they're going to have this lesson out, and man, if you can set your clock to it. Oh, it must be that time, because here they do this. Um, <laughs> kids, when they're excited, find a way to get them to be able to reflect at that moment. So one practice we have is, the kids, we have some tablets. When the kid's excited, no matter what else is going on, when they want to talk about something, when there's something they're excited about, they go grab the tablet and they either show the work or they have a friend or somebody record them, and that's what they do. Because if you wait till the end of the trimester, if you wait till the end of the week, if you wait till some other time, they're going, especially those little kids, hey, this isn't mine. You know, not much less like, yes, I'm still excited about that. Huh? So find what the system works for you that allows for all of their excitement and their and them to be the focus and not you 
as educators, and I am an educator, I left the classroom a little bit, jumping back in. It's hard sometimes. You want to have the answers. You feel safe for knowing the answers. Be comfortable with not knowing the answer and not having to be about you and whether or not you know the answer. Well, they can't do that because I can't help them. And then there's a lot of things they do without your help. They'll figure it out. Um, and I think we have three minutes to spare. That was like a <laughs> slam! Oh, sorry. <laughs> and that's that. So anyway, we have three minutes for questions. Yeah, we do. Three minutes for questions. So, yes. Obviously, if one has people to count on these credits, there's definitely a person to worry about. I'm less concerned about the PLP as document, much more concerned about the planning process. So I'd love to hear from folks who have been doing this. Uh, describe for me the planning versus the plan. And by the way, that planning process is uh, of itself a wonderful opportunity for students to practice, acquire, and demonstrate some of those transferable skills. Yeah, I mean, for me, and that's actually one of the, the notes that I skipped was um, it's that planning that creates the atmosphere, and that's where a lot of these reflecting skills come from. Um, I, I'm wondering, making that a larger, that's a, a question directed to everybody. Does anybody else have anything to add, including other panelists? As opposed to the hard work, but it's also the most valuable work. 
getting a school on board with that is not always easy. I think when it's rolled out a certain way, not here's another hoop we have to jump through, but here's something that is valuable to the kids, and that's why we're there, right? That's where it's big. And yes, I know it's time to go. And yeah. Well, thank you all for coming. Thank you for coming.